I'm so thankful that, that this body of believers has chosen to set aside one Sunday a month uh, to honor the sacrifice of Christ with the partaking of communion. I think it's good for us to have that so that we won't forget. It'll be that reminder for us, uh, that, and we should never forget from day to day of what Christ has done for us. But this causes us to, pretty much every time we do this, it's the whole service from the songs to the, the sermon, Brian's opening, it's talking about Christ and His sacrifice. And I think it's good for us to have that reminder, especially with everything going on. Isn't it good to to clear our minds and get focused on what is of most importance? That's Christ. It's the gospel. It's the shed blood for the remission of sin. And today I want to read that portion of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 11. It's verses 23 through 26. I don't think that there has been a communion service in the almost 30 years I've been preaching and and doing communion services that I've not read this passage. And for good reason. Let's read. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So, Father, help us this day to remember to remember Christ. Remember the the work that You sent Your Son to do and to remember that He accomplished that work and is now seated at Your right hand and, and interceding our prayers. So Lord, help us to remember. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now as I was considering this, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon one of his morning and evening uh, devotions came to my mind again, and I kind of looked at my notes, and I believe it's been uh, over a year and a half uh, since we've read this. I want to read it again because it speaks of this very thing of remembrance. And uh, I don't know the... I just put this... This is from Morning and Evening, uh, Charles Spurgeon. The title of it is This Do in Remembrance of Me, if, if you want to look it up on your own. And it's in regard to 1 Corinthians 11, 24, which we read this morning. And this is Spurgeon, quote, Do this in remembrance of me. It seems then that Christians may forget Christ. There could be no need for this loving exhortation if there were not a fearful supposition that our memories might prove treacherous. Nor is this a bare supposition. It is, alas, too well confirmed in our experience not as a possibility, but as a lamentable, regrettable fact. So what's he saying? He's saying we forget. We have moments that we forget. We have times 
or perhaps even a season where we may forget the sacrifice of Christ. Let me continue. It appears almost impossible that those who have been redeemed by the blood of the dying Lamb and loved with an everlasting love by the eternal Son of God should forget the gracious Savior. But if startling to the ear, it is, alas, too apparent to the eye to allow us to deny the crime. Forget Him who who never forgot us. Forget him who poured out his blood forth for our sins. Forget him who loved us even to death. Can it be possible? Yes, it is not only possible, but conscience confesses that it is too sadly a fault with all of us that we suffer him to be as a wayfaring man tarrying but for a night. He whom we should make the abiding tenant of our memories is but a visitor therein. The cross, where one would think that memory would linger, the unmindfulness, that unmindfulness would be an unknown intruder, is desecrated by the feet of forgetfulness. Does not your conscience say that it is true? Do you not find yourself forgetful of Jesus? Some creature or idol steals away your heart, and you are unmindful of Him upon whom your your affection ought to be set. Some earthly business engrosses your attention when you should fix your eyes steadily upon the cross. It is the incessant turmoil of the world, the constant attraction of earthly things which takes away the soul from Christ. See, I thought that was very relevant for today. It is the incessant turmoil of the world. Is that taking our gaze and taking us? And that's all we think about. And we think, well, whoa, what a what a bunch of yahoos that is doing all this stuff. And that's and it. It is the incessant turmoil of the world, the constant attraction of earthly things, which takes away this soul from Christ. While memory too well preserves a poisonous weed, it suffereth the rose of Sharon to wither. Now that's a good line. Do you get the meaning of it? While memory too well preserves a poisonous weed, it's talking about our memory, my memory, I'll, I'll preserve a poisonous weed and suffer the rose of Sharon to wither. That, that We may remember countless things that are of no help for us and maybe even be a hindrance and yet forget the precious Lord, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. It's back to Spurgeon. Let us charge ourselves to bind a heavenly forget-me-not about our hearts for Jesus our beloved and let us hold fast to Him. Bind a heavenly forget-me-not about our hearts for Jesus our beloved and let us hold fast to Him. It was at the cross that Jesus emptied out His inmost self, pouring out His lifeblood, giving up for all of us. How low was our dear Redeemer brought. He humbled Himself unto death. Stand at the foot of the cross and count the red drops by which you have been cleansed. See the thorn crown. Mark His scourged shoulders still gushing the encrimsoned streams. See hands and feet given up to the spikes of iron. 
and his whole self to mockery and scorn. See the bitterness and the pangs and the throes of inward grief showing themselves in his outward frame. Hear the gripping shriek, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if you do not lie prostrate on the ground before that cross, you have never seen it. If you are not humbled in the presence of Jesus, you do not know Him. You were so lost that nothing could save you but the sacrifice of God's only begotten. Think of that. And as Jesus stooped for you, bow yourself in lowliness at His feet. A sense of Christ's amazing love to us was a greater tendency has a greater tendency to humble us than even a consciousness of our own guilt. Consider His love. Did you get that? A sense of Christ's amazing love. Think of amazing love. How can it be? A sense of Christ's amazing love to us has a greater tendency to humble us than even a consciousness of our own guilt. May the Lord bring us in contemplation to Calvary then our position will no longer be that of the forgetful, pompous man of pride. But we shall take the humble place of one who loves much because much has been forgiven him. Pride cannot live beneath the cross. May we remember the words of Christ. This do in remembrance of me. End quote. So I think that's worthy to be read quite often. Remembrance of Christ. Remembering who Christ is. Remember what He has done. And remembering what He has asked us to do. The Apostle Paul gives us those words of Christ. Do this in remembrance of me. See, if we go back some 2,000 years to that night with Jesus and His disciples, and they're in the upper room, they're meeting to celebrate Passover, We've talked about Passover. You know about Passover. Passover was a memorial. It went all the way back to the Exodus. You can read about it. We're not going to read it today, but it's in Exodus chapter 11. And the last plague, the slaying of the firstborn. And remember the only way that you'd be saved from the destroyer, the angel of death that was going to come by is if you did as was instructed sacrifice a lamb and spread the blood on the, of the lamb on the, the, the cross piece and the side pieces of the door. And then when the destroyer, the angel of death, would come by, they would see the blood and pass over. And those inside would be safe. Protection from the judgment of God. Protection from the wrath of God that was coming. And it required a blood sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And this death was to be of an innocent, perfect sacrifice. And we know all of that was just a picture, a type and a shadow of what was to come in Christ Jesus. The perfect Lamb of God. Let's read in Hebrews. In Hebrews uh, chapter 10, uh, 1-14. through 14. See, this, this Passover, every year this Passover was reenacted. And each year animal sacrifices were offered up for the remission of sin. But could they ever completely take away sin? No. No, they couldn't. Well, let's read it in Hebrews 10. 
1 through 14. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first. That he may establish the second. What's it talking about? I believe it's talking about covenant. By that will. What will? I believe that's talking of what was just mentioned. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And then by that will, I believe by the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man... (laughs) This Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. By one offering, himself, giving himself the perfect lamb, the perfect lamb. Do, Do we celebrate Passover now? As, as born again believers? No. Because who is our Passover now? Christ. Christ is our Passover. 1 Corinthians 5 7. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. You see, now we take of the bread and, and the juice as a reminder as a picture of what Christ has done for us. You see, in God's timing, in due time, the true Lamb came. He would die. What happened to the veil that separated? You know, it was torn from top to bottom. And He, the sacrificial system, the Levitical system, came to an end. Christ came to be the once and forever sacrifice for sin. 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Why? That He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. By the Spirit. He was our offering for sin. Now, Donovan dropped down to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For He, for God the Father, made Him, Christ the Son, who knew no sin to be what? To be sin for us. And again, I could ask that question, why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's the offering. Matthew 26, verse 28. 
For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. You see, there is a payment for sin, amen? Because there is a penalty, there is a wage for sin. You know what it is, don't you? The wages of sin is what? Is death, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'll ask the question again, who has sinned? All. All have sinned, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God provided for Himself a lamb, a perfect sacrifice for sin, Jesus Christ, that all who believe in Him would not perish, but rather have eternal life. See, that's the gospel. Let's go back into 1 Corinthians 15, read the first eight verses, and here's the picture, here is the gospel. If you want to go somewhere to get a concise reading of the gospel, I believe this is where you would go. 1 Corinthians 15, first eight verses, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. This is the Apostle Paul. And here's the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you receive, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Now I'm going to stop there for a minute. By which you were also saved, if you hold fast. What's an evidence that we are born again? We hold fast. We persevere to the end. That's an evidence that that we are His. Now, will we have moments where we may fall away? I believe Scripture backs that up. Yes, there may be moments, but we won't forever stay falling away. He will come for us. He will discipline His children. He'll not leave us out there. He will bring us back. So I believe that's what that's talking about when, when it says, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain. See, if they believed in vain, they would have heard it and maybe uh, been like that that flashed up for a moment and then withered and was gone because there was no root. Verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that He was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep, some have died. After that He was seen by James, then by all the apostles, then last of all He was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. Because this was the Apostle Paul. And where did he see Christ? Road to Damascus. He was brought down and light shone into a dark place. Amen? See, that's the gospel. That all who by faith believe will be saved. Let's read John 3, verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you understand why I read this so often? 
Because everybody on the face of this planet is either one or the other. You're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. There is no other category. You either believe the gospel by faith and you continue in it, or you're an unbeliever. Jesus came to this earth to be the perfect sacrificial lamb to give His life a ransom for many. To pay the penalty for sin for all those who would believe. And the question is, do you believe? That's an eternal, eternal eternity question. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And often I ask the question, saved from what? And well, well, the answer is from wrath. Saved from wrath. But also, I read, uh, you read John Piper this morning, I read John Piper's uh, devotion for today. And, and it brought this out that I thought was very good. You know, not only saved from wrath, and remember, we're talking John Piper, but saved for joy. Saved from wrath, but saved for joy. And let me read. I want to read Brother John's devotion for today. The end of the gospel. That The title really caught my attention. The end of the gospel. And it's from Romans. It's Romans 5 verses 9 through 11. Since therefore you have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. So while we were enemies, for those who are born again, for those whom Christ has shown light, it happened when we were an enemy, wasn't it? We were an enemy, but yet He reconciled us by His grace. And much more... He says, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? And then more than that, let, let me read what Piper said. What did we need to be saved from? Verse 9 states it clearly, the wrath of God. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. But is that the highest, best fullest, and most satisfying prize of the gospel. No. Verse 10 says, much more shall we be saved by His life. Then verse 11 takes it all the way up to the ultimate end and goal of the gospel. More than that, we also rejoice in God. This is the final and highest good of the good news. There is not another more than that after that. 
There is only Paul saying how we got there. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The end of the gospel is, we rejoice in God. The highest, fullest, deepest, sweetest good of the gospel is God Himself, enjoyed by His redeemed people. God in Christ became the prize, and God in Christ became the prize. The gospel is the good news that God bought us for the, the everlasting enjoyment of God. See, now that, that's Piper. That's, that's where he camps out, and, and it's good. That's good. That all who are born again would rejoice and joy in our salvation, our redemption, our having been reconciled. And that we would always remember and never forget that we have been bought, we have been purchased by the blood of Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 20. For you were bought at a price. And what was the price? Christ. Christ's life He gave for us. And then what should we do? Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Rejoice and joy in Him. Glorify Him for what He has done. Redeemed, purchased by the blood of Jesus. The One who created us, purchased us again. Think about that. The One who created us, purchased us. Purchased us. By His blood. By His blood. Let me read just a few more verses talking about the blood of Christ. Ephesians 1.7 In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through, who through him believe in God who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Romans three twenty four through 26. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Why did Jesus come? To become the Lamb, to become the sacrifice for sin. He came to be our payment. The payment for sin. Why? Second Corinthians 5.21 For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. 
He came to be that righteous one. We, we, we read this this morning. We sang the song, Revelation song, but Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. He has redeemed us, child of God. He has redeemed us. And only He has the power to redeem. Amen? Only He. There is redemption in no other, no other way, nothing but the blood of Christ. Absolutely nothing but the blood of Christ. And so what do we do? Those who have been redeemed, I had it up on the screen earlier today when you first walked in. uh, Psalm 107, the first two verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That's us. That's us. He has redeemed us. He has purchased us from the hand of the enemy. Brought us out of darkness and death into life everlasting and light. That's what he has done for us, child of God. And what's to say? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so that God is good. That he is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Thanks for the gift of your Son that You would give Your only begotten, that we might have a way to come before Your presence. And that is through Christ. There is no other way to You. We know that. And so it it brings me to my knee, Lord, to know that You chose me. And I can't understand why, but You did, and I'm so thankful. And that every born-again believer in here would have that same thought. Why? Why, Lord, would You choose me? But you did. At your good pleasure, by your grace, by your mercy. And we are thankful. And today we we want to do what Christ has asked us to do. To come and to receive the bread and the juice. and, And to do it as a reminder of what Christ has done. So Lord, let us all have some type of picture in our mind. Of what Christ has done for us. Help us to honor the sacrifice. Help us to remember. And help us to give thanks. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.